Welcome to Spoiler Season Episode 3 of Ravnica Allegiance. Spoiler Season is brought to you by New England Comics, who you can find online at NEC Coolidge, and by Flipside Gaming, who you can find at flipsidegaming.com. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be your host tonight. Uh, Katie is out of town, so there will be no, you know, beautiful song. Uh, we all miss her very much, but she'll be back tomorrow for the next episode. But tonight, it will just be my dulcet tones uh, serenading you. So let's go through. We have a bunch of spoilers to get through. I'm going to move a little bit quickly because, one, it's just me, and two, uh, there are a lot. So first up, we have Smothering Tithe. This is white three for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent draws a card, that player may pay two. If the player doesn't, you create a colorless treasure artifact token with tap. Sacrifice this artifact at one minute of any color. So interesting thing about this card is that uh, it suggests that treasures um, are, are, are back. And, you know, tr treasures were the one of the big mechanics in Ixalan. Um, and the, their presence in Ravnica, which this has been confirmed by Mark Rosewater, um, is that treasures are going to be deciduous from now on. Deciduous means that they will be used when they are necessary uh, and um, yeah, not have to be, you know, isolated to, to particular sets. Uh, so I, I think it's really cool because I think treasure is a good mechanic, um, and it you know it's a nice little thing that you can kind of either add on to a card, um, something like uh, I can't think of the name, but the four mana tormenting voice that adds two treasure, right? It kind of it's like an interesting thing to add on. It's another knob that you can turn on cards, um, and second, it does allow for you know these kinds of really weird cards like smothering tithe. So coming back to this card, uh, this doesn't really seem like a standard card, um, but it definitely seems like something that would be uh, fun to build around. Um, it, it's just kind of weird that it's in white uh, because, I mean, it makes sense that, like, you know, it's a taxing effect and white gets a lot of taxing effects, um, but the fact that it is kind of mana ramp is a little bit strange. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I can't really see myself playing it but i think it's a it's a cool cool card okay so next up we have guardian project this is green three enchantment whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control if it doesn't have the same name as another creature you control or a creature card in your graveyard draw a card so this seems to me like a commander card uh, and again i don't really play commander but you know in commander there's this thing i've heard where you can only have one of each card and that to me suggests that you know the guardian project might be really f good in a commander deck that is green um, in standard of course you're trying to maximize um you know consistency of your deck you're trying to minimize variance so guardian project doesn't really have a place in the format that i can think of especially if it doesn't work with tokens um, it's just not going to draw you a card enough. You're, you know, paying four mana to do nothing and then hoping to draw a couple cards maybe off of it. It's just not not really where you want to be. Next up, we have Zerta Goblin. This is red-green for a 2-2 Goblin Berserker with Riot. This is great. Uh, this is definitely a really aggressively slanted card, a two mana 2-2 two -two with haste or a two mana 3-3. Three -three. Uh, both rates are quite good. Uh, I, you know, would not be shocked to see this card show up in standard. Um, we already have a bunch of supported goblins. Uh, they have so far been in red, but certainly we could extend into green. You get a little bit more power uh, in cards like Zerta Goblin. But it's also just, it's a really solid creature. So I could, I think this is certainly playable. And, you know, again, like in limited, these gruel cards just look great. Like, a 2-mana two 2-2 two, two haste or 2-mana two 3-3 three, three limited is just a really, really solid rate. So, you know, just very, very impressive. Um, I didn't talk about the, la the last two cards also in limited. Like, Guardian Project, I'm still not super excited about in limited, but it's definitely going to be a lot better in limited than it is in uh, standard because you have a lot more one cards. I would probably play this card, especially if I expect to be going long and I'm not an aggressive deck. Smothering Tithe, also I expect to play in limited, but primarily because it fixes your colors really well, so it kind of gives you some flexibility to splash other cards, other colors. Okay, next we have Rampage of the Clans. This is green three, instant, destroy all artifacts and enchantments. For each permanent destroyed this way, its controller creates a 3-3 green centaur creature token. So you certainly can use this as like a weird back to nature 
against your opponent, but that just seems like a terrible idea. Um, I think that the much more likely use for this card, if you're going to try to build around this in standard, is to generate a bunch of treasure tokens and then cast this uh, end of your opponent's turn, destroy all your treasures, get a bunch of 3-3s, three and hopefully kill them on the backswing. Uh, it, it feels like that might be a little tricky to do, uh, and there might just be better payoffs or better ways to use treasure in the format. Uh, but, you know, Rampage of the Clans is certainly something you can keep in mind. Okay, next up we have Frilled Mystic. Frilled Mystic is the CCDD card in the uh, cycle for Simic. So Frilled Mystic is green, green, blue, blue for an Elf Lizard Wizard with uh, Flash. It is a 3-2. And when Frilled Mystic enters the battlefield, you may counter target spell. So... Frilled Mystic, um, you know, is a lot uh, callback to Mystic Snake, right? Which had Flash and good counter spell. But Frilled Mystic is more of a real body than than Mystic Snake was, since it has you know one more point of power. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, it's a Mystic Snake reprint. It does have the extra pip of green, so it's also more difficult to cast. Um, but it's this effect is just really strong. Uh, it also combos well, being four mana with. Wilderness Reclamation, allowing you to untap your lands and then hold up Frilled Mystic to counter a spell. So where you want to play this is interesting uh, because, you know, a lot of, with, with cards like Azkanta in the format, um, if you are a control deck, you, you know, this is a creature and you can't get that off Azkanta. Um, and it feels like this might belong a little bit more in a teamer deck, uh, a kind of value-oriented teamer deck or teamer control deck that's, that's less reliant on spells. Um, so I, I, Frilled Mystic, very strong. Uh, I anticipate it seeing some play, uh, but I don't really expect it to be, like, I, I'm seeing some people think it's just going to be everywhere. I think it's going to be an important role player in the format. I don't really think it's going to be huge. I mean, look, I think a good analog for it, right, is like Robinus Chupacabra, which doesn't see play everywhere it sees play as like a two of in the premier black deck of the format the best uh golgari right two maybe three at most and frilled mystic it's harder to cast than ravenous chupacabra and it's a lot more flexible than chupacabra um but you know it has that similar kind of value creature role and it's like i said harder to cast um this is not a card i'm really interested in having against white decks right the white aggro decks um, and certainly the format's going to change but I, I expect that you know seeing cards uh in Rakdos and Gruul if we end up with a Rakdos aggro deck or um, Boros sticks around then Frilled Mystic just doesn't feel very strong so it, I think it will be a role player and um an important one but I, I don't see it being you know incredibly overpowered or anything Okay, next up we have Bankrupt in Blood. This is black one sorcery as an additional cost to cast the spell, sacrifice two creatures, draw three cards. So this seems really good as an Orzhov card with Afterlife being able to sack creatures, draw three cards, and then just get spirit tokens um, is really nice. And if you have any payoffs for creatures dying, such as Judith, then this will actually turn those on. So Bankrupt in Blood... Um, you know, nice card, but the cost is real. If you're going to play this in limited, you want to make sure that you have creatures that you really can sacrifice and you're not just sacrificing like two real creatures to draw a couple cards. That's just not going to be worth it. You don't really want to harm your board to get a uh, card advantage in, in limited generally. Next, we have Blade Juggler. This is black four for a 3-2 human rogue with spectacle black two. When Blade Juggler enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to you and you draw a card. So... This card's cool. This card's great. Um, you know, it cantrips. I love cantrips. And, you know, being able to play it for three is, I think, you know, quite good. Um, and for five, I don't hate that. Like, I'm not up super upset. It's fine. But ideally, you really, if you can, you want to cast this for three. Uh, and it looks like Rakdos is going to have a decent number of ways to turn on Spectacle. So uh, I think running a couple of these in your limited deck seems like a good idea. Um, not so much for Constructed, but Limited, it seems quite decent. Next, we do have a Constructed card. We have Electro Dominance. This is Red Red X for instant. Electro Dominance deals X damage to any target. You may cast a card with converted mana cost X or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. So this card is strong. Really, really, really strong. Um, you in modern formats, 
sorry, <laughs> the modern format, you can play this and cheat in cards like Ancestral Vision or Restore Balance or Wheel of Fate or Living End. All these cards that don't, you know, have technically have converted mana costs of zero, you can cheat in by casting Electro Dominance. And you get to do it at instant speed, which is really cool. In standard, you can do things uh, you know, like cast Niv Mizzet on their end step for eight mana while also blowing up a creature or their face on the way in and then just untap and win the game. You can flash in planeswalkers. You can like the, just the flexibility and the versatility of this card. And it, it, that's the thing is like this card might be playable in modern or even in standard if it was just, you know, red, red, X, like flash in a creature, right? But this is going to be or flash in a, a, a card in your hand. But this is going to end up actually killing something or dealing a lot of damage on the way in. So that way you're making up for the card disadvantage of playing Electro Dominance in the first place. So this card uh, I expect to be played both in Standard and in Modern. Um, we'll have to see what people think is the best thing to do with this because really the possibilities are just... There's a lot of them, so... Certainly a card worth brewing with and thinking about, and uh, the possibilities of flashing in stuff is is really cool. It's really cool. So Electro Dominance, that's a card to certainly keep your eye on. Next, we have Smelt Ward Ignis. This is red 1 for a 2-1 elemental. Uh, it has red 2 sacrifice Smelt Ward Ignis, gain control of target creature with power 3 or less until end of turn. Untap that creature, it gains haste until end of turn, activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. So it's a 2-mana two 2-1 two that has an active treason staple onto it. Uh, this seems... Uh, oh, but active treason, sorry, with power 3 or less. So a little bit of a, of a worse active treason. Uh... This card seems fine. Um, it's a pretty poor body for limited, uh, but if you have sack outlets, you know, and you're in Rakdos, and you know, we'll have to see Rakdos, Mardu, if you're splashing the Orzhov cards, we've seen a couple sack outlets in Orzhov, then this effect gets a little bit better. Generally, though, not something I'm, I'm super excited about. If I'm very aggressive, I don't mind running, you know, maybe one active treason, maybe two at most, but uh the fact that it's stapled onto a body is nice but the body's pretty bad so i don't love it i think if i'm playing orza i mean uh, rakdos i i'd probably run the card uh because i think if you are really aggressive then you can get in for two and then when this stops being good you just sack it and steal something and hit him again and you know you're that's just dealing damage which is what you want to do so I like it. I like it. I think it's fine for limited, uh, but I, it's not certainly not built for constructed. Okay, next we have Rhythm of the Wild. This is red, green, one. Enchantment. Creature spells you control can't be countered. Non-token creatures you control have riot. So Rhythm of the Wild is a little bit of a weird card uh, in that it feels like it feels kind of, so it, it, it feels really strong right? These two effects are really strong. But in standard right now, people are casting like turn four Carnage Tyrants. And Rhythm of the Wild, you're paying three mana on your turn three to do nothing. And that's something that makes me a little bit nervous. Um, against a control deck, I think this card's really good. Uh, it, if you can resolve it on three, especially if you're on the play, you're, you're likely even to resolve this on three. Uh, and then from there, your spells are, all your creatures are guaranteed to come in and they're gonna, you're probably going to give them haste. So against control, it's quite good. Uh, and it feels like maybe it should be good in other you know, creature mirrors because your creatures can be bigger. But I'm just skeptical that you know, the loss of tempo is going to be something that you sign up for. Um, we'll see. People will certainly try it in Gruul decks. Um, but I, I kind of suspect that this card will end up being... A little bit more of a sideboard card against control just because I think of how unless the format changes and maybe it will but right now the format is too fast to do this if I'm playing against mono white and I'm on red green mid-range or you know aggressively slanted mid-range I can't take turn three off to go do nothing pass white's gonna cast heroic interventions and kill me like I'm just gonna die so not a fan of this card in high numbers in the main but I think reasonable uh, sideboard card against control. 
Next, we have Biogenic Upgrade. This is green, green, four, sorcery. Distribute three plus and plus one counters among one, two, or three target creatures, then double the number of plus and plus one counters on each of those creatures. So not a standard card um, to, you know, it's kind of a win more, too much needs to be going right already. But for limited, uh, particularly in, I mean, the creatures look big. Like Gruul has really big creatures. Simic is gonna have all these adapt things. Um, it looks like a pretty reasonable card to play in uh, limited as just a good, you know, kill you. Um, you can be really, you know, the, the the case where this is really disappointing is when you don't have three creatures on board. And if, but if you're that far behind, then either you're playing this card in the wrong deck or you're, you know, you're just too far behind. So this card is not really going to catch you up from behind, um, but it should help if you are in uh, parity. Um, and certainly, you know, if you're ahead, it should close the game pretty quickly. But I think it's reasonable. It's like a one of in limited. Next, we have Titanic Brawl. This is green one instant. This spell costs one less to cast. If it targets a creature you control, the plus one plus one counter on it. Target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. So Titanic Brawl, these effects, these like prey upon effects, they're fine uh, in limited. You know, you're playing green, so you don't have a ton of um, removal. And Titanic Brawl is something you can use for that. Obviously, all the normal downsides of fight in that uh, if you target your creature, then they kill it or they weaken it. Um, you're just two for oneing yourself. So that's kind of sad. Um, but, you know, that's what you get for playing green. So next we have Quench. This is blue one instant. Counter target spell unless this controller pays two. So a new kind of mana leak. So these effects, uh, quite good early, quite bad late. So obviously this card slots pretty well into mono blue tempo. Uh, the, that deck is, you know, has already been pretty decent in the format, uh, and Quench just gives it a new tool to continue do it, doing what it's doing. So, um, early on, I actually think Mono Blue might be a really good choice, especially while people are trying to, you know, build Nexus and play all these fancy decks with new cards, just hit them, just hit them really fast and counter their stuff. Um, and Quench, um, allows you to, to do that really effectively. So, uh, exciting card for that deck, uh, and it's possible that decks like Teamer or I don't know something else, maybe an Is It deck with a what's it called Jumpstart, so then you can dump this in the late game, um, might want this card. But uh, you know, I, I really think it's at home in, in a tempo deck. Next, we have Grasping Thrall. This is white black three for a three three Thrall with flying. When it enters the battlefield, it deals two damage to each opponent, and you gain two life. Guys, it's the second coming of Siege Rhino except it costs one more, has a lot less power and toughness, does a little bit less damage, but it has flying. Um, so yeah, in limited, I like this card. Um, and the art too, Sub McKinnon is just crushing it with these Orzhov cards. So much good art, Orzhov art that he's, he's drawing here. Um, Grasping Thrall in limited, you know, a 3-3 three, three evasive threat that, you know, lightning sh helix shocks you shocks your opponent gains you two life on the way in it's nice i can't think of a another card that does uh drain two at the moment but um standard you know just not not really there too uh too expensive next we have burning tree vandal this is red two for a two one human rogue with riot and when burning tree vandal attacks you may discard a card if you do draw a card so burning tree vandal um this is a card that i think you're gonna want to play typically as a 3-2 because a 3-mana 2-1 is a really bad rate for limited. Um, so I think this is usually going to be a 3-mana 3-2 and then it will you'll be able to attack and discard and draw. And that seems fine. If I'm going to have this effect, often I like to have it on either a, a bigger body or something that doesn't have to attack to do it because in the late game, being able to filter away your, your extra lands and actually get um, more gas is, is really valuable. But a 3-2 late game is not going to, you know, get in two attacks. It's going to die on the first attack. So, you know, it's it's fine. Um, it's probably much better to play it uh, early in aggro where you can filter and really try to find, you know, burn spells or filter away. Like if you have an extra land, just dump it. Um, so, it, you know, it, it's a little unfortunate because typically you want these kinds of looting effects uh, later in the game. Um, and then you're going to have more valuable cards on average than your opponent is. Uh, whereas this card seems to be a looter that is bet much better in the early game. So 
something to think about when you're when you're playing this card in Rakdos. Next, we have Angelic Exaltation, which is white three enchantment. Whenever a creature you control attacks alone, it gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creatures you control. So this card seems quite good with uh, Orzhov and Afterlife, where if you're able to generate a reasonably sized board or a bunch of Afterlife tokens, then you just swing in with one token a turn, and it's attacking as like a four four flyer at you know at worst, um, and and that's something that seems quite good. So in the right deck, I think the card's really strong. Um, and definitely something that you should be looking at uh, in Limited. And again, kind of motivates. There's a lot of enchantments in this set. This set has a ton of enchantments. Um, when you're playing Limited, I would recommend main decking some enchantment hate, just based on what we've seen so far. I think you're, you're going to want it. And luckily, we do have Mortify It Uncommon. That's going to be a good card to grab, um, and there are probably some others that, that I'm forgetting or that haven't been spoiled yet. Next, we have Homunculus, which is blue four for a two five Homunculus with Hexproof, and that's it. So Hexproof, I don't like. I think I've discussed before that I think it's a bad mechanic. Um, anything that limits interactivity, not great. Um, this card, you know, Hexproof is in the weird spot where if you put it on something really weak, then it's pointless, and if you put it on something really strong, it completely breaks the game. This card is in a weird spot. Uh, it's like a wish coin crab for one more mana that can't be targeted. So this card is really seems to exist to shut down aggro. Um, but it's also kind of expensive to be doing that. It's, it's just kind of a weird card. Um, it's a really good blocker. Um, but, you know, eventually it can attack as well. Like, things aren't Gonna are gonna have a hard time killing it. It's just a weird card, weird card. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Next we have Verity Circle. This is blue two enchantment. Whenever a creature an opponent controls becomes tapped, if it isn't being declared as an attacker, you may draw a card. You can pay blue four to tap target creature without flying. So, in limited, what I'm most interested in is the ability to tap stuff at will um, in the late game. So if I'm in a slow blue deck. Uh, then this is a really nice ability to have access to. Sure, you get to draw a card every time it happens, um, but you know I get to also tap down their largest creature every turn. And over time, this is going to just build up advantage, and you should be able to pull ahead uh, with this card. Um, in the in standard, I have kind of a hard time thinking about where I would want to play this card. Like it seems you know best if we just think about like set mechanics good against convoke. But honestly, I don't like. There's way better cards against Celestia than Verity Circle. Uh, it seems terrible against Celestia. So, yeah, not don't really play it in standard, but good for limited. Next, we have Drillbit. This is black two sorcery spectacle for a single black target player reveals their hand. You choose an online card from it. That player discards that card. So, uh, this card obviously has drawn a lot of analogies to Thoughtseize, which is a modern staple and was a kind of warped standard in its time and standard. Drill bit, I'm kind of lower on, but much lower on. Uh, Thoughtseize is strong. You can play it, you know. So think about the deck in Modern that play Thoughtseize, right? Uh, Grixis, Death Shadow, and Jund both play Thoughtseize. Uh, Jund and Shadow both do it so that they can stick and protect a threat. Shadow wants to play a Shadow or a Delver, uh, not a Delver, a, a Gurmag Angler has Delve, uh, and Jund wants to play like a Bob, right, or play a Goyf, um, and be able to to control control the hand, control the board. And Drillbit can't be cast on turn one, so you, you can't do that. Now, anyways, the threats in Standard generally are not so powerful that you know you really want to protect them, right? Uh, and you want to do that early. So, okay, we're not really casting on turn one. Well, what about Duress, right? Duress is also a card that, you know, it sees standard play. But Duress usually sees play against control, uh, and it sees play in the late game. It's like, okay, well, maybe Drillbit then we can cast as black. But if I'm just casting Drillbit in the late game, most of the things I want to hit are probably spells. So why am I handicapping myself by casting a Drillbit that... I have to jump through a hoop to get it to cost black when I could just cast Duress, which always costs black. Um, I suspect that this card is just not quite there. Uh, I could be super wrong. Maybe there, you know, there's a Rakdos aggro deck that is 
uh, pressures their life and their resources with their hand, uh, I'm just kind of skeptical that that drill bit is is the right card. I think that too often it's going to sit there and be a three mana card that you either don't cast or you cast and then you feel pretty bad about casting it. So that's my thought on drill bit. Next up we have uh, Nikia of the Old Ways. Nikia of the Old Ways is three red green, legendary creature, centaur druid. You can't cast non-creature spells. Whenever you tap a land for mana, add one mana of any type that land produced and it is a five five. Uh, I don't really like this card. I think that, you know, that rider of you can't cast non-creature spells it's just it's just rough like maybe 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 you can find a deck that has you know nullhide ferox and nikki of the old ways and like sure they all have really competitive bodies but and the upsides are pretty high so maybe maybe you get to go you know play nikia nullhide and uh, play teamer and play the uh what's it called the hydroid because that card is basically a spell so those things seem like maybe things you might want to do but outside of that i have a hard time of thinking of playing a deck of like all creatures just because your worst creatures are not gonna be better than your best spells and is it worth it playing those creatures with nikia and nullhide and the downside there and i don't i don't, I don't know I don't know. So maybe, maybe you do this and then you, you, you know, you try to go for the Hydroid. I don't know. I'm, I, it's just no Hyde Ferox hasn't seen any play. We we're certainly were lacking something like Hydroid um, in the format right now, but I, I'm a little bit skeptical of Nikia as well. It's also, you know, it's, it's a five mana five, five that doesn't do anything. It just comes in and, you know, maybe your opponent kills it. Maybe they ignore it. I don't know. Not a, not a huge fan of Nikia. Next, we have Silhana Wayfinder. This is green one for a, an elf scout. Uh, it is a 2-1. When Silhana Wayfinder enters the battlefield, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a creature or land card and put it on top of your library. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Uh, so this card's fine. Um, you know, it, it's nice that you can find either a land or a spell for next turn. But... It doesn't... I, I wanted to put it in your hand. I just, like... I want it to be an upgrade to Elvish Visionary or something like that. Or at least, you know, bin the cards instead of putting them on the bottom of your library. And then you have, like, a nice Seder Wayfinder kind of effect. Uh, but what it's doing is reasonable. Uh, Glowspore Shaman does something vaguely similar. Uh, the difference being that Glowspore only hits lands, whereas this can certainly hit creatures. So... It's cool. It seems like good at any point in the game um, in standard, I'm thinking, because early you can find land and late you can find creatures. Uh, but you could, I just don't know if it's the best. Like, is the 2-1 body something that you value enough to do this? You do play cards like Murphy Branch Walker and Jade Light Ranger, but those actually provide card advantage and can be larger than 2-1s. So a little bit sketchy, but it wouldn't shock me to, to see this played a little bit in the standard. Um, and in limited, uh, cards pretty solid. Um, anything that helps smooth out my draws is something that I, I value in limited, um, because you know cards have lower power level on average, and it's important to be able to find what you need when you need it. Next, we have Sphinx of New Prov. We have it's white, white, blue, blue for a four-three Sphinx with flying and vigilance. Spells that your opponents cast that target Sphinx of New Prov cost two more to cast. I don't. I just don't get this card. Uh, you know, we had Night Veil Predator in the last set, which was the same cost, but with black, and it was a 3-3 with flying and death touch and just had hexproof. Uh, this has vigilance, but three toughness, so I'm going to attack you and then not block. So why do I have vigilance? I, I just don't like this card. This, I mean, I'm going to play it in limited because a four mana four through flying is good, but it's just not a very good card, frankly, uh, for, you know, for standard or anything else. Um, but... Yeah, if I can make the mana cost work in, in limited, I will play it there. Next, we have Essence Capture. Essence Capture is blue-blue instant, counter-target creature spell, put a plus-plus one counter on up to one target creature you control. So, um, this is 
more suggesting that Azorius in this set wants to be playing a, a game that cares more about the board, more about creatures, just like Dovin suggested. Uh, and you could play this also in something like Teamer, um, because Teamer seems to be going that route. Uh, this goes well with the, you know, if you're playing with the Mystic, the Frilled Mystic, you can put a counter on that. Um, you basically, you know, you want to have this be creatures and spells. You could even play this if you wanted to. I, I don't know if Mono Blue Tempo plays any copies of Essence Scatter. I, I don't really think so, but I don't remember. Um, but this is just a strict upgrade over Essence Scatter for that particular deck because it also pumps their creatures. So, um, you know, a card that's worth keeping in mind uh, if you're going to be playing a mix of creatures and spells and playing playing kind of a teamer, tempo-y, control-y kind of deck. Um, but I, I like it. It's a, it's a nice design, and it pushes you to play a counterspell and still play creatures, which is, is good for the game. Next, we have Theater of Horrors. This is a red-black one enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. During, during your turn, if an opponent lost life this turn, you may play cards exiled with Theater of Horrors. You could play red three. Theater of Horrors deals one damage to your opponent or Planeswalker. Uh, this is pretty strong. This is, again, this is just... I mean, it's drawing you an extra card every turn. That's really good. Uh, you could even curve this into Experimental Frenzy and then just go off with Frenzy. And when you hit a land, then you play the card off Theater of Horrors. Uh, I don't know. This this kind of card advantage is really nice to have. But we still have to remember, it is a three-mana do-nothing enchantment. It triggers the beginning of your upkeep, which means you have to wait a turn before you get the card off of it. Um, and sure, it pings for one, but four is a really bad rate for that. So it seems like you want this in some kind of, like... Rakdosi control deck. Um, I don't know if that's going to exist, uh, but it's a really cool card. It's a cool design. It's a nice take on like uh, Red's Exile, but then Black's like permanent card advantage. It's I, I really like. It's a cool design. I like the design a lot. Um, I, I just I'm not. I'm having trouble thinking of a place to put the card. But card advantage engine. I like card advantage engines. They're great. Uh, and drawing an extra card every turn is is something very powerful. Uh, but, but just, you know, you, you do have to be pressuring them. So this is really something that you need to be running creatures in your deck, and you need to be attacking. Um, and then, you know, it kind of just snowballs, right? This is a more of a snowball-y card. So I, I don't know that you really need it. Um, might might just not, not see any play now that I'm talking more about it. Next, we have Rakdos Roustabout. Rakdos Roustabout is red-black one for a 3-2 Ogre Warrior. Whenever it becomes blocked, it deals one damage to the player or Planeswalker it's attacking. Uh, this is cool. Um, I liked the one damage ping effect on the what it was, Goblin something card in Boros and in in the Guild of Ravnica. Um, and this effect, you know, similar effect um, on this card is nice, especially on a, a slightly bigger body. Uh, and it does allow you to reach if your opponent in limited has Planeswalkers. You know, that'd be sad. Uh, but it also triggers Spectacle, which is kind of the, the selling point here, is that you're guaranteed with a Roustabout to have Spectacle. So if you have Spectacle cards in your deck, this is a card that I'm, I'm very happy to play in Rakdos aggro uh, if I'm looking to turn on Spectacle, because it's probably going to trade, trigger Spectacle, then you're going to get some, you know, cheap card or some bonus or something. So uh, I, I do like Rakdos Roustabout. Next, we have Hackrobot. This is red-black one for a 2-3 human rogue with spectacle red-black. You can pay black to give it death touch till end of turn, and you can pay red to give it plus two, minus two until end of turn. Um, I like this card too. This is a really nice card for limited. It's very flexible. Uh, it blocks well. It attacks well. It deals damage well, right? If you're uh, the 2-3 the body means that it's a little more resilient. So if they attack, um, if you attack with it, uh, and it, they want to, you know, block with a blocker that can't kill it, something like a 1-4 or a 2-5, Hexproof, Homunculus, um, you get to just give it Death Touch, right? So it, it really kind of gets unblockable, and you can use these two abilities in combination to give it Death Touch, and then when they don't block, you get to pump it, uh, and, you know, dealing four damage is a lot. So I like Hackerbot. It's a, a nice design. It comes together really nicely, and I, I think the card will, will play quite well. Next, we have Soriform Hybrid. This is green one for a 2-2 human lizard warrior. It has green, green four, adapt. Uh, this is a great role player filler card for Simic in limited. Um, not even Simic, like any green, I don't know, there's another green, Gruul, I guess, too. Um, you know, a two mana 2-2 two -two is fine. And then the late game, it's a 6-6. So I like it. Great card. 
Next is Kaya's Wrath. This is white, white, black, black sorcery. Destroy all creatures. You gain life equal to the number of creatures you controlled that were destroyed this way. So we have, this is super exciting. We have an unconditional four mana wrath effect in standard, uh, which it's been a while, right? The last time we had this, uh, something close to this was Languish, which was black, black two and minus four, minus four, and it missed Siege Rhino. This will not miss Siege Rhino. Uh, but the interesting thing though, is okay there's a couple of things that i think are interesting about this first is that it's white white black black that is a non-trivial thing to cast you're going to need a lot of sources of white and black in the deck so if you're looking to play this alongside blue blue one counter spells good luck uh that's going to be something a little tricky to do if you want to play this in esper which suggests that maybe you want to play this in more of a board controly deck that doesn't have so many counter spells in it second Wraths are just, like, frankly, kind of fine right now. I mean, if you look at card decks like Mono uh, mono White Aggro, right? Hunted Witness replaces itself. A bunch of these afterlife cards are replacing themselves. Adonto Vanguard gives itself indestructible. Um, and, you know, in black-green, uh, a bunch of their explore creatures draw them cards in the way in. They have planeswalkers that, you know, just draw them more cards. Find brings back cards from the graveyard. There's, like, Wraths are just not in a great spot right now, and because of that, I'm I'm really okay having a 4-mana Wrath in the format. And they, it looks like it's a pretty safe card as well, and that's kind of narrow, not just any deck can play it. You have to be really committed in your mana base to be playing this card if you want to play it on turn 4. Um, but... All that aside, it's a 4-mana Wrath. That's really strong. People will play it. Good card. Next, we have Gruul Beastmaster. This is green 3 for a 2-2 Human Shaman with Riot. When Gruul Beastmaster attacks, another target creature you control gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is Gruul Beastmaster's power. I really like tying um, a trigger ability surrounding the creature's power uh, on a creature with Riot. It allows you for to make some really interesting decisions around, okay, I can either play this as a hasty 2-2 that pumps like a Rubble Belt Boar did in the last set, just pump another creature, get, a, get that quick attack in, quick damage, um, you can just go for the kill, or you get to play this as a 3-3, wait a little bit, and then hit a little bit harder. Um, you know, you're really getting two extra power, per, uh, or sorry, yeah, two extra power per attack with Ruby's Master if you put a counter on it. So, um, again... I, I like the design of this card a lot. I think it comes together really nicely. The synergy with the riot and the power dependence is uh, is nice. Next, we have Savage Smash. This is red, uh, green, one sorcery. Target creature you control gets plus two plus two till end of turn. It fights target creature you don't control. So this card is fine. The fact that it's sorcery speed makes me love it a little bit less. Uh, it's a strong fight effect, but the fact that it's a sorcery and it's three mana... It just really opens you up to some dangerous situations where your opponent can just kind of really two-for-one you badly. But if it works, the upside is really high. You have a buffed creature in a, uh, two colors that actually want to be attacking. Um, so it's it's certainly strong, but something that I'd be, you know, I'd really want to wait until I'm pretty sure this is going to resolve and do some damage before I just kind of cast this haphazardly into open mana. All right, next we have Burn Bright. This is red two. Instant, creatures you control get plus two plus O until end of turn. Uh, I like this card because it's an instant, uh, which is nice. Um, these effects, you know, sometimes we see them in like white and uh, plus two plus one for four mana, and yeah, it's a sorcery and everyone sees it coming. But this is nice. We get to attack and then you can just one-shot people out of nowhere. Um, again, these kinds of cards always come with the, the you know, high variance of sometimes you top deck this late and it wins you the game other times you draw this and you have a creature on board and that's it and it sits in your hand and does absolutely nothing and it loses you the game so um you know you want to be attacking you want to be playing a lot of creatures if you're going to play burn bright but in that deck it's really good um but in other decks it will be really bad so just you know be be cognizant of that as you put this in your deck uh, our next card is Spiral Engineer. It is blue-green 1 uh, for a Vidalcan Wizard. It is a 1-1, one, one, and you can tap it to add blue-green to your mana pool. So this card, great ramp card. Uh, we've seen, you know, have we seen? I, I can't remember the last card that we've seen. I was trying to think of like Rattleclaw Mystic or something. But yeah, this 3-mana card that adds 2 this is a really strong, like, mana dork-esque effect. Um, but 
things to keep in mind, you know, playing a 1-1 on turn 3, that's bad. Uh, particularly if Chain Whirler comes back, this is a 1-1, Chain Whirler kills it, it feels terrible. Uh, if you get to untap with it, awesome. Um, I'm, I'd love to play this card in Limited. I think in Limited it's really, really good. And it also helps you to turn on all of your adapt creatures and all of that. So in Limited, I'm, I'm pretty high on this. I think it's a really good card. In Standard, it might find a home in a ramp deck, uh, particularly a ramp deck that wants to be playing you know, creatures. But uh, just the, the risk, I mean, it's really a meta card because you can get blown out in so many ways you know, just run over by aggro decks by playing a three mana one one. Uh, you better really untap and do something that wins the game, um, or th like the format's just too fast right now. And maybe that'll change uh, come uh, Ravnica Allegiance's release, but uh, we'll have to we'll have to see. Next, we have Mesmerizing Benthid. This is blue blue three for a four five octopus. When Mesmerizing Benthid enters the battlefield, create two zero two blue illusion creature tokens with whenever this creature blocks a creature, that creature doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. Mesmerizing Benthid has hexproof as long as you control an illusion. Uh, this card seems really strong uh, for cons uh, not constructed uh, for limited. It's a four five hexproof for five. That's awesome. Um, you can choose just to never block with the O2s, uh, and then your opponent has to actually kill them. Um, or you can, you know, use this to both kind of pressure, protect yourself a little bit. Uh, it's a weird, weird card, um, and I like it. I think it's pretty, uh, pretty cool. Uh, I don't know if there's, you know, we're gonna see any other illusions in the set. Uh, if we do, then this card gets a little bit better. If you can play other illusions, um, but uh, I, I do like this card a lot for for limited, and it does generate, you know, three bodies. So even if they are O2s, like they're gonna. Stonewall X ones, uh, one ones, one X's. Sorry, they stonewall uh, creatures with one power, uh, and they can shut down um, larger creatures and kind of clear the way uh, to 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 get in with the the hexproof guy. So it's a cool, cool card. Weird, weird card. I don't know who who came up with that. Next we have Domri Chaos Bringer. This is red green two for a legendary planeswalker Domri. Five loyalty, you can plus one to add red or green. If that mana is spent on a creature spell, it gains riot. Minus three, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal up to two creature cards from among them and put them into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Minus eight, you get an emblem with at the beginning of each end step, create a four, four green and red beast creature token with trample. So I think this card is fine. Uh, I think that both Xenagos, uh, the four mana Xenagos, Planeswalker, and the three mana Dombri were both better cards. The fact that it's plus one, you know, Plus one just doesn't do a lot. I, I, it's cool that it gives it Riot, but eh. Uh, it helps ramp you a tiny bit. The minus three is really where it's at, but the fact that you can only minus three once before having to tick up is a little unfortunate. It does create a cool little uh, play pattern of minus three, get a creature, tick up, make mana for that creature. Like try to play both creatures, then tick up again, then minus... I don't know. It's just kind of an awkward card, but uh, you know, limited planeswalkers, they are good. Uh, and it's constructed. This card might see play again. Like I'm just having a hard time with these do nothing cards. Like Vivian comes in and kills something, or ticks up to six and draws you a card. It replaces itself right away. Karn, huge loyalty, replaces itself. Teferi, loyalty replaces itself, protects itself. Like, all the Planeswalkers in Standard that see play right now do something when they come down, and Domri does not. And that does not bode well for a Planeswalker. Um, you know, you, you certainly could just play it, minus it, try to find a couple creatures, um, and then they kill it, maybe, because it has two toughness and it can die to a shock. Uh, so, eh. Uh, but you're also really incentivized, if you're going to play Domri, to play a lot of creatures. Um, which kind of brings us back to our earlier conversation about, you know, what's this, this format, this guild really wants you to be playing creatures. And is that always going to be the correct, what's the correct density before you have to start playing things that you're less than thrilled about? Um, I imagine that with Domri, like you're going to be able to fill out your deck pretty well because you still have some room for spells. So, um, that is good. I think Karsten did some math and said you need to have, uh, 26 creatures to have, uh, an average hit of 1.5 with Domri. Uh, 1.5 creatures per per minus. So I imagine you're going to want to play Domri, take it down, draw a card or two. Uh, if you draw two cards, I mean that that is pretty good, um, and then start trying to trying to take them up. But 
I don't know. I guess I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Um, and we'll just have to look and see if this is the you know the best thing you can be doing on uh, turn four or maybe a little later. I I certainly don't think he's a four of uh, if you're gonna gonna play him in standard. Um, but you know, it's certainly nice to see them again get away from that uh, that style that we talked about in Ravnica Allegiance of the five mana. Plus one, draw a card, minus three, kill a thing, you know, ultimate, win the game. So it's cool that they're doing something different. I like that. They did something different with all three of the Planeswalkers in this set, which is really nice to see. Uh, but Kaya is pure garbage. Um, Domri is, I think, good enough to see standard play. Uh, and Dovin, I think, is going to be either hit or miss. I think it will, it's very. It's a very niche card, and I think it will be quite strong in the shell that supports it, if there is such a shell. Um, but outside of, you know, it, it does have to be in a very particular deck, which is good. Like, I, I like having Planeswalkers that, you know, you can't just throw them into any deck and say, yeah, now I get this super powerful card and that will warp the gameplay around it and so on. Next, we have Trollbred Guardian. This is green four for a 5-5 five, five Troll Frog Warrior. You can pay green two to adapt to. Each creature you control with a plus and plus one counter on it has Trample. This card seems awesome for a limited. Uh, five mana, five, five. Great rate. And then the next turn, you know, you're going to have six mana. I'm totally happy to turn this into a 7-7. Seven, seven, and then, you know, it's a 7-7 seven, seven trample in the first turn it attacks. And all your other creatures have... This, this card seems really strong. Um, so in limited, I think this is a card you're really looking to pick up for Simic. And then also the next card you're really looking to pick up for Simic, which is Skatewing Spy, which is blue 3 for a 2-3 Vidalcan Rogue Mutant. It has blue 5 Adapt 2. Each creature you control with a plus plus one counter on it has Flying. Um, so, you know, again, you play this and then you get to untap, you know, you don't have to play it on four, you can play it on five, I, I don't know, whatever, but pretty soon after you play it, you get to, um, turn it into a four five flyer, uh, and all your other things with counters have flying. That's just, it's really strong. Um, th this is a card that if you're playing against, you need to kill it. And if, uh, you're looking to play Simic, um, I imagine this is going to be a, a, a high pick for the, the Simic deck. So cool card, cool card. Next, we have United Stand. This is white two, instant. Creatures you control gain indestructible until end of turn. Addendum, if you cast the spell during your main phase, put a plus plus one counter on each of those creatures, and they gain vigilance until end of turn. I really like this. This is a great use of addendum, where if you want to cast it as an instant, as a defensive spell, you get to do that. And if you want to cast it proactively, you get to do that. Um, it, you know, you get a free attack. It's just... And then, you know, also it, you know, helps your board permanently because they all get counters. So... This card, I really like it. It seems really strong for limited, um, and it's a, also a nice kind of safety valve for the four mana sweeper as well. Maybe this is something that you you look at playing, since whether you're on the play or the draw, you get to do this. Um, though I imagine that on turn by turn three, you know, you probably don't have a ton of stuff on board since you've had two turns to play stuff. But regardless, you know, nice card to have access to in standard. Um, the flexibility is really good, and then for limited, I really like this card because it's it's I think, I mean, the addendum mode is super strong. The defensive mode is also quite good. Uh, so I, this is a card I would be really happy to play in limited. Next, we have Combine Guild Mage. This is blue-green for a 2-2 Merfolk Wizard. You can pay green one tap. This turn, each creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus and plus one counter on it. Or a blue one tap, move a plus and plus one counter from another creature, or sorry, from target creature you control onto another target creature you control. So Combine Guild Mage, uh is cool um it helps so that uh the first ability really enables the second ability i like that they're very similarly costed um and it makes combat kind of annoying um if this guy is untapped so uh, it seems like a good reasonable fair power level for a guild mage in limited so i'm you know excited to to play this card i, I like the design a lot Next, we have Galloping Lizrog. This is blue-green 3 for a 3-3 frog lizard with trample. When Galloping Lizrog enters the battlefield, you may remove any number of plus and plus one counters from among creatures you control. If you do, put twice that many plus and plus one counters on Galloping Lizrog. Um, this card's awesome. This card is so great. It is great with Gruul. It is great with Simic. Uh, and it's just a giant beater. If you move one counter, it's a 5-5 trample. That's that's awesome. 5-5 five, 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 trample for 5. Uh, so, really, like, this card seems great. This is just so good and limited. I Like, people will die to this. It's going to be really important that you have an answer for the giant frog lizard uh, because, you know, this guy's hungry and he's going to eat some players. 
Next up, we have Syndicate, Syndicate Guild Mage. This is black-white for a 2-2 human cleric. You can pay white 1, tap, tap target creature with power 4 or greater. Or you can pay black 4, tap, Syndicate Guild Mage, deals 2 damage target opponent or planeswalker. Uh, so one, like, this just seems like a weird version of the Boros Guild Mage. It doesn't feel very Orzhavi. Like, and what's with the the black ability dealing two damage to an opponent, I would feel a lot better if it drained two. And that wouldn't push it to be too good either. Uh, I just, this doesn't feel, just feels weird. I mean, I'm sure it's fine. It's a fine card. But I, like the black ability feels slightly kind of out of color pie. Like black doesn't, I mean, I, I know that they're, like, they're experimenting with black dealing damage instead of losing life. It just feels weird because, like, if I just made the black red, then this would be fine. So I don't like that. That feels weird to me from a from a design standpoint. Um, and the you know the design of the card is very similar to the Boros Guild Mage, uh, and the fact that you can only tap creatures with power four or greater is a little bit annoying if you want to tap down like an annoying two power flyer. Um, but it's fine. Um, it's just like it just seems like an unnecessary restriction. Tappers are good, but like I don't think it would be. It's a weird restriction to put on white, which can tap anything, uh, and you're paying two mana and tapping this to do it. I think it would be fine to have this uh, just tap any creature. So I don't really like this card. I, I, I it's fine. It's fine for limited. Like I would probably play it. I would definitely play it. Um, but there's just a lot of things about it that kind of strike me the wrong way. I don't know. Next, we have Orzhov Racketeers. This is black four for a 3-2 human rogue. Whenever Orzhov Racketeers deals combat damage to a player, that player discards a card. So, oh, and it has Afterlife too. I'm not super in the market for a five mana 3-2. But this does kind of give your opponent an interesting choice where if they take the hit, they have to discard. And if they don't, then you get two spirits because they're probably going to kill it. And maybe you get to trade off with another creature. But... In that regard, it's kind of a punisher effect, right? So they get to choose the difference worse for them. If they're empty-handed, they're going to let you hit them. And uh, if they have ways to block flyers, they're just going to block it and give you the flyers. So this is a card that I'm not super excited about. Um, I think you really want some way to abuse the Afterlife 2 or to... I, I don't know. I'm not a card I'm super excited about. Next, we have Ministrant of Obligation, our last card of the night. Ministrant of Obligation is white 2 for a 2-1 human cleric with Afterlife 2. This card I like a lot more. Afterlife 2 is awesome. For 3 mana, you're getting uh, essentially 3 bodies, right? This is like kind of, sort of a bad Lingering Souls, right? Uh, I really like this card. I think that in Limited, it's awesome. You're going to get 2 ones. Uh, I mean, 2 one ones pretty quickly, probably. Uh, and in Constructed, if there's a Sacrifice deck, you maybe want this card. I mean, you know, this afterlife stuff too, it just helps so much against these white weenie decks where you get to throw down something, block something, and then you get two more blockers. Like, that's awesome. Um, particularly when they all have, although attackers have like one toughness. So Ministrant of Obligation is a card that I think could see standard play in the right deck. And in limited, I would be pretty happy to take this card, I think, because 1-1 one, one flyers can be super, super, super annoying. So... That is all the spoilers we have for tonight. Um, thanks for tuning in. Um, I apologize for having it just be me tonight, but Katie will be back tomorrow, I promise. Um, so thanks again to New England Comics, who you can find on Facebook at NEC Coolidge, and to Flipside Gaming, who you can find at flipsidegaming.com. I'm Ryan. This is Spoiler Season. Thanks for listening.